Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Happy to be back with you again today. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. I know you'll enjoy today's show, and I have a big ask that will only take a moment of your time. Ratings and reviews are the lifeblood of our podcast. To leave a review and a rating, iPhone or other Apple iOS device users, go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. For all you non-Apple device users, go to podchasers.com. On either site, search for Real Estate Investing Abundance. Once you find us, leave both a review and a rating. Subscriptions are also vital to the show's success, so please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It's free to subscribe, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Hello, enlightened investors. Happy to be back with you again today. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. If this is your first time tuning in, I know you'll find great value in the show. And I offer a special invitation for you to head over to steetalker.com and enroll in our Enlightened Investor Circle. There you'll receive support for your investing goals, no matter what your level of expertise and experience. Today, let's lean into our calling. Together, let's learn how passive investing in self-storage can help us develop financial independence to live abundantly in all areas of life with our guest, Zach Quick, a Christian husband, father, and a full-time self-storage owner and operator based in the Midwest. Zach, before we delve into the business of self-storage, share with us a memorable experience from your childhood. Sure. A few of the biggest things that kind of jump out is just having two loving parents that allowed me to to try things and to fail, whether that meant, I mean, I was a basketball player and into sports young and not, uh, I think that they can teach you a lot of lessons and specifically the stick to and working with other people. And I think just having supportive parents that allow you to figure things out yourself helps helped me in my childhood a lot. So, yeah. Well, that has taken you into uh, self-storage investing, but you didn't start there. From what I understand, you started like many people do in residential, and then you pivoted to self-storage. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I had always kind of known that in some way, short, uh, form or fashion, I wanted to do investing or buy small business or something along those lines. So not long after college, my wife and I kind of started down the residential path while we both had our W-2s. Our first home that we bought was a house with a garage apartment that we lived in the main house and rented out the garage apartment. And that was kind of a easy and good foray to, to kind of get our feet wet. And yeah, while we were still working our jobs, we got up to where we were about 28 residential units, the majority of them in our backyard of Southeast Kansas at the time. And honestly, kind of felt stuck. We had some limiting beliefs at the time, and then also were somewhat out of money too. So, and then we're randomly on a vacation and honestly kind of felt like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, look at this self-storage thing. And, you know, you drive by uh, self-storage doors millions of times in your life, but never really think twice about it. And that kind of launched us into a year-long research process and then eventually bought our first facility probably 14 months from that time. And flash forward now, we don't own any residential and we've basically bought and sold around 10 or 11 storage facilities and currently have another four under contract right now, but we've en- enjoyed it a lot. Well, what was the reason for going from residential to self-storage? 
twofold, I guess. So uh, I think one of the biggest things is we had kind of just felt stuck in the and thinking very linearly in with our residential. So, you know, we'd bought a four unit, a uh, five unit, and then our last one was kind of a 12 unit. And the plan was kind of rehab it and then eventually exchange up into call it a 24 unit or a 30 unit, you know, kind of a stair step sort of process. And I didn't feel like I had any advantages, uh, so to speak, other than maybe finding good deals. I can't swing a hammer very well. Just the entire process, I kind of was just tired. And I think some of that also is just lack of patience. So I think with self-storage, one of the things that I liked a little bit more is it, and again, I'm simplifying and not, don't take this as a slide against residential, but self-storage is a lot like a business, a little bit more like retail and that you know you're selling a variety of different products uh, it's a month to month lease and so there's a lot more levers that you can pull a little bit faster that portion of it and almost wanting to be more involved if that makes any sense kind of spoke to me a little bit more those things and, and lack of patience which actually it's it's somewhat helped because I think that I could add value by like kind of bringing a business sense to a property and treating it like a business whereas uh, those opportunities are a little bit harder to do so to speak in kind of the really small residential side We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. As an industry-leading, relationship-focused, design-build construction firm, Mosaic Construction has worked in many different asset classes from multifamily to retail, medical, industrial, and commercial. Mosaic Construction works to execute interior and exterior renovations with their team of trades and project managers. Their experience with value-add improvements has resulted in increased ROI and long-term value of the assets. They work nationally in partnership with local trades to deliver thoughtful, problem-solving construction management solutions to all their clients. For a personal no-obligation consultation, call Ira Singer, 773-491-3145, or email Ira at mosaicconstruction.net. You can also find Ira on LinkedIn. So part of it was the scale of the self-storage as opposed to residential. Yeah. And I think that it's a little bit easier to self-manage at a distance because to be honest with you, there's just a, a few less moving parts. You know, there's not, there's no plumbing. You can still keep track of a lot of what's going on at a self-storage facility with cameras and gate access. So yeah, that part spoke to me a little bit better. And then conversely too, I think that the fact that it's just a little bit more of a dynamic pricing model. So you can, again, I, I mentioned it, but you can just pull levers a little bit quicker, so to speak. The decision-making or the selling or buying process when it comes to storage for a customer honestly can happen in a soon is like two minutes. Whereas with if someone's going to rent a house or apartment, you know, that could be a month or two long process. So it's just a lot different. The storage process appealed to me a lot more once I kind of understood it more. Well, how does self-storage uh, underwriting differ from residential underwriting? A lot of similarities and a lot of differences at the same time, but generally speaking, and you could probably, I can be corrected, but I, from an expense ratio, general residential multifamily, I mean, you're probably looking at 45 to 50% expenses. So for every dollar of income, almost half of it is probably going out the door and that's before your debt service. So depending on, I guess, how you decided to manage, whether that's remotely with someone on site or kind of the, just the revenue or square footage size with storage, generally speaking, that number is going to be somewhere between 35 and 40% expense ratio. So a little bit higher profit margin, but again, there are a lot of moving parts. Month to month, leases are both a plus and a minus. So you're going to have a lot more move in, move out than say residential. And then obviously your ticket size is going to be a lot smaller. I mean, you might be talking your average, you know, your average renter being 
85 bucks a month. Whereas, you know, even in very low income residential areas, let's say $600 a month would probably be on the low end. Right. Then you have a lot more moving in, moving out as well, even though you can make that decision immediately. Mm-hmm. Most residential are at least uh, a year's lease. So you have some stability there where you don't have that with self-storage. But the other uh, plus, of course, you have to self-storage is it can take, depending on what state you live in, it can take anywhere from a month to six months or even more to get rid of a, a bad tenant. In self-storage, you can do that in, what, 20 to 30 days, right? Yeah. The states we operate in, it's either 30 to 45 days. But yeah, so what you said, so I actually do think self-storage in a lot of ways is riskier uh, than multifamily. I, I truly do. I don't think that means it's chock full of high, very high risk or anything of that level. But, and honestly, one of the things that I've kind of learned is depending on the site and, and really location, the average length of stay in storage oftentimes is like 12 to 18 months, really just depending on the stay so or on the place. So there are things like that, that for me, you know, as an outsider before I got into storage, you know, I assumed how on earth are those things full or how are they even close to full? But you know, there's a, a wide variety of reasons that people need it. And and some of the times that's not even, you know, it could be a small business that this is the, this is the, a plumber that this, this spot makes a lot more sense than, than renting out a large warehouse space. So uh, there's a lot, a little bit more of a diverse tenant base as well. Well, you took a leap of faith in betting on yourself and going to self-storage. Why would you consider that a leap of faith? In part, whenever you're starting something brand new, you kind of just have to have, I mean, you can get as educated as you want to, but at, at a certain point, you have to just be willing to take the jump. And then secondly, honestly, in hindsight, kind of the plan was to work up to a certain amount of family income and then allow my wife to to leave if she, if she so chose her job first. And we got to the point where we were busy enough with storage that she was gracious enough and it kind of made more sense for me to go ahead and take a jump a little bit early. So we were not at a place quite yet where it was, you know, the rental income was replacing both of our income, our W-2, but we almost felt that I'm not someone that's very good at doing anything half speed. And so we felt that, you know, we could potentially be leaving opportunities on the table if it, if I wasn't dedicating more time to it. And then also from a standpoint of betting on yourself that, hey, if this doesn't work, like you're going to figure out a way to pick yourself back up. And, and if you have to go get another job, like that's fine. Or if you have to figure out another path than what you think it is. That's life. Well, in terms of debt service for residential as opposed uh, to self-storage, what are the differences in securing debt? Or do you have uh, Fannie and Freddie options like you do with residential or is it a whole different lending world? <laughs> yeah. So while the debt service options have picked up a lot in terms of just more options with self-storage, we do not have a Fannie Freddie. But you know, the larger size that you get, you can go get life insurance companies or CMBS loans. So but generally speaking, from like your regional bank, you know, I, it's not unheard of, depending on the size of it, to probably be, I would call it a quarter to a half percent interest rate, probably a little bit higher than probably an equal size multifamily property. So while maybe not as good, and, and obviously I'm I'm ballparking here, it's not awful by any means, I guess is what I'm saying. And then really, once you get up into life insurance companies or CMBS, again, it's probably closer to a quarter to half a percent difference um, in terms of an interest rate. So no, no Fannie Freddie, but uh, there are there are a lot more options than even probably five to 10 years ago with storage, just as it's become more and more accepted. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Would you ever invest all your money in a single stock? Very unlikely. 
Yet, investors are willing to risk $50,000 to $100,000 in a single property in real estate all the time. Avestor is the world's first customizable real estate investment platform. Investors can build their own custom portfolio selecting investments across multiple asset classes such as single-family homes, multifamily, student housing, self-storage, and shopping centers. You can also invest across multiple markets and different time frames. Avestor also enables other real estate entrepreneurs and syndicators to build and use Avestor's infrastructure and cloud platform to create their own customizable real estate funds. To learn more, visit us at avestorinc.com. Avestor, real estate investing made simple. And in terms of the investor pool, do you see a difference there? Hmm, just in terms of passive or partnership type opportunities? No, not really. To be honest with you, I think that you know there's a certain amount of people that storage is appealing because it's a little bit lower of a Oh, for lack of better words, litigation risk. You know, you're not dealing with people's homes. Evictions aren't, as you kind of mentioned, aren't near as scrutinized when it comes to self-storage because it's it's people's items. It's not someone's place where they're trying to raise their kids or something along those lines. Uh, so that portion speaks to some people. And I would say in my experience, it's not too dissimilar, I guess you could say, from, from a typical investor. A cash on cash return and internal rates of return are going to course, vary quite a bit from residential to residential. But in terms of from residential <laughs> to self-storage, what can a passive investor expect to see in terms of cash on cash and internal rates of return? Sure. I think generally speaking, I think they're very similar with a couple caveats being that you can kind of land into kind of your improved numbers faster with storage. I say that in that your CapEx budgets um, are generally a lot lower, you know, depending on the size of the facility. Bridge debt is is not as common here. And, and again, a lot of, you know, your storage facelift, so to speak, just to kind of give it a better look is all going to be exterior. So when you're talking about, you know, what kind of a budget from a CapEx perspective are you putting into, into the facility? Like we've had some that rents have increased 30, 40%, and we've only had to put probably a, a dollar to a dollar and a quarter per square foot into the entire property because a lot of it was what I would just consider just operations, running it like a business, putting ads out, answering the phone, raising prices when the demand calls for it. To answer your question more specifically, and again, it depends on the market property type, et cetera. But I think they're very similar in that the initial numbers are probably the same, but I think often you can execute a value add faster in my experience anyways, just because of those month to month leases. And again, you're not really waiting on people to move out to, to go in and, and, and spruce up their unit, so to speak. Well, some interesting differences uh, there and certainly a whole lot to think about in conjunction with that. Well, before we go into our last uh, segment, uh, Zach, how can the viewers and listeners get in touch with you? My email is Zach, Z-A-C-H at ZachQuick.com or just go to ZachQuick.com. There's a few things there and there's a contact form there or, or the email I just gave would be either of those would be great. All righty. Well, let's dive into our last segment here and share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life and how did you come through that and what did you learn from that? To be honest with you, I have lived a pretty uh, uh, blessed life, uh, to be honest with you. But I don't know where this ranks on there. But I think one of the 
probably one of the moments that I knew that I needed to bet on myself, so to speak, and probably try and exit that the W-2 world where my wife and I had discussed is I had got uh, promoted. And I kind of say that with quotations because I'd gotten extra territory and that didn't really come with a raise whatsoever. So it came with more work, came with more reports, came with more people that were looking to you for answers. And I will say like the potential for a bonus was a little bit higher, but the, the odds of achieving that were pretty slim in my estimation. And so, uh, so at that point in time, I kind of knew that I could continue to do that and kind of whittle myself down, so to speak, or completely pivot and try and do what we were hoping to do further down the road. And so I don't regret the decision at all. Maybe in hindsight, financially, there was a couple of tighter months than what we anticipated, but I don't think we'd be where we're at today if we hadn't, if, if that hadn't happened. So it's a blessing. Well, what in your life do you feel most grateful for? Mm, my family, a loving and supporting wife. I've mentioned it a few times here is, is a superpower. In, it, in and of itself. And then a uh, healthy daughter and son is not much more you can ask for. Well, share with us three good things that you've experienced in the last 24 hours. My wife and son and I uh, just went on a nice walk in the sun this morning. We went to a new park, all four of us, and my daughter got to go down some new slides. And my daughter ate spaghetti. She is a picky eater, so I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> Enlightened investors will be right back after this important announcement. I have a big ask that will only take a moment of your time. Ratings and reviews are the lifeblood of our podcast. So to leave a review, iPhone or other Apple iOS device users, go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. For all you non-Apple device users, go to podchasers.com. On either platform, search for Real Estate Investing Abundance. Once found, please leave a review and a rating. Subscriptions are also vital to our show's success, so please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It is free to subscribe, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Okay, so how are you putting your success as an investor and entrepreneur to work to create universal well-being and abundance for all beings? I think that as we become, you know, call it more financially successful, giving back is really important to us, whether that's church, local food bank, children's home, and then try and talk with people that are in a similar path, maybe three, four, five years ago and are struggling with the, Hey, how do we do this? And just kind of encouraging them that nothing is linear. Like you think it is. I've, I've said that even here, and I've said it a lot. We all kind of have this stair step path that we kind of envision for ourselves. And I, God kind of laughs at that, I think. So there's no exact way that something's going to happen. And there are a lot going to be a lot of surprises. It's just kind of rolling with the punches and going with it. So. Well, when you leave this this world, what do you want as your epitaph? I would say that I was a, a good steward of what God gave me, that I helped guide others to Him, and that I treated my family and others extremely well. Well, Zach, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. 
As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Speed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Speed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at SteveTalker.com. 